You're listening to 1590 afterwards, and uh, a wrap-up show today was June 8th. It was a good, fun show. How are things today? Things are real good. Now, we uh, touched base on your big show that's coming up July 13th, a quick one on the comedy. Yeah. We got the, we've got the July 13th over at the Tower Club in beautiful Oxnard at the Oxnard Tower. It's going to be a lot of fun doing that for Bob Davis and the crew. It should be a good time. And that is uh, tickets available with Jen Sturger as your uh, counterpart on stage there. It's rare that they have comedy up at this club, but it would be a great way to bring it back there. Yeah, I don't know if they've had comedy even since I've lived in the area. I don't remember when the last time I've heard about comedy. I saw the Nelsons there. They were funny. Remember the brothers? Oh, yeah. They, yeah, they were not only funny, they played music. The long uh, yeah. hair. Yeah, they were. They were hippies, even now. But that's uh, a place where they've had a lot of entertainment. But you're right. Usually it's musical entertainment that they would have up there. So this is going to be a whole lot of fun. If you want ticket information, and you should go, it's a fundraiser. It is called Christmas in July featuring Tom McLean and Jen Sturger. 658-7435. You wonder if DMV Mike will be somewhere on the tower cleaning the windows. I'm hoping he is. We want to schedule it so he's there at the time of the sunrise or the sunset so that he can, you know, maybe he can splash a little bit of soap on the window, make a little rainbow, be pretty. Added bonus, too, uh, for that is the view. Like you say, the sunset is going to be terrific, so you're going to get the comedy, a fundraising, and the beautiful view from the glass tower. So take that in on July 13th. We hit this one while you were in the building this morning, and it's one of those things on what do you teach your kid? And I think a lot of this would be where do you live also? Mm -hmm. uh, because it, what we were talking about was a man who lives near the beach, right at the beach, and apparently they're out fishing a lot and doing that. Well, they went on a camping trip. And Daddy said, you got to start the fire. you got to learn how to do this. you got to learn how to do the dishes because dishes camping are different. And when we go fishing, you're going to clean the fish when we bring it back. Now, I think where the controversy comes in, they didn't catch anything. So he went to the store and bought a whole fish. And how old was she again? She is a 13-year-old girl. Yeah, the 13 and 10, the 13-year-old girl was tasked to do this, to clean the fish he bought at the store. I would say for an ordinary family, that'd be pretty weird. But like, if you're a family that does spend a lot of time in the outdoors, if they really do spend a lot of time at the lake, then it makes sense for her to be able to do all the different jobs within the family. And the one thing where you were raised, it was a different set of skills that you might have needed. Yeah. Because you were in a, a somewhat of a tough neighborhood. So I'm not sure if fishing came up a lot. No, there was a little bit of fishing like on the creek or on the mm -hmm. levee and stuff, but not not me. I was never into it. And that's the funny thing about the way we're raised these days. Now, I was raised in T.O., so back then especially, like a lot of kids in Ventura County, it was very rural. So you were used to being out and about, and we would go fishing a lot. So when I was a youngster, like OBH, you know, 10, 11, 12, my dad just, we went up if we caught fish at Lake Casitas, and he cleaned them, and I was right there next to him doing all the stuff and, you know, holding the knives I don't know if I could, you know, uh, scale the bass the way I used to. Yeah. But I did have to do it when I was kidding. My dad was the same as this guy. He pretty much said, well, damn it, if you're going to catch the fish and eat it, you're going to do the cleaning part too. So I agree that with, within this lifestyle, but you got to think of the different needs you would have. Like if you lived in New York, you probably have to teach your kid how to do the subway. Right. You know, yeah. Just oh, a yeah. different set of life skills that you would want the kid to learn fairly young because how often so let's say you live in the um 
the brownstone walk-up in Chicago, then you go to the lake and suddenly dad has you dressing a deer. Right. You know, that might be a little weird because it's not within the lifestyle you're used to. But I think this dad was totally in the right. Yeah. It's where they live. It's what they do. Yeah. And, and some people were kind of flipping out about it. And the other thing, well, it's a girl. And, you know, that shouldn't be a conversation anymore. Yeah, exactly. It shouldn't be at all because, uh, you know, men do what women do. Women do what men do. And that's just the way it is. So I was a little surprised by this. I talk about the huntsman that's in my neighborhood. Next time I see him, I'm going to ask him about his kids because he's got youngsters. But he, every year, has a bear tag and he has a, a deer tag. He takes a bear. He takes a deer. He does the full dress in the hills. And brings it back. He has a motorcycle. His uh, It's all set up. It's, he's wow. got his rifle on it. And he goes up there and he takes a bear. Just drags the bear back on his shoulders. <laughs> yeah. Just, uh, actually, he's wearing the bear coat by the time he gets back. Because he does the full <laughs> field does. dress. And Chuck Tesca, Testa. <laughs> the did, bear rides on front like it's a pump. <laughs> Chuck Testa did the... Uh, did the um, the bear, the bear, yeah. Oh, the, the taxidermy was it a was it a standing one? No, this is off the the wall, more like oh, okay. a bear, bear off the wall. But it, it's really cool. I was trying to see if maybe I knew which bear it was because yeah. I've I've been to Testas once or twice and seen when some he's bears. been doing that. Yeah. And the thing that's funny about that is now if it's trophy hunting, I'm against it. But this guy said he said that bear up there is in my freezer right now. So wow. it's full use of bear. What's bear taste like? I don't know. That doesn't sound good. And if anybody says chicken, I'll hit them. Yeah, but it's, yeah, what does bear, is it gamey? You know, how is it? Because I've had venison, and I will tell you, and I might have just had, no, it, it oily, was like eating liver. Oily, yeah, it it's was, like a salty, oily, gamey, yuck, yuck. Yeah, yeah. you needed a lot of uh, ketchup or uh, applesauce when you were eating that. Now, somebody else might be out there and say, oh, no, it's actually delicious. The other thing that the guy told me that's really interesting, if you get a bear in Santa Paula, in Fillmore, the meat's going to taste differently because apparently Santa Paula has a different vegetation growth. And oh. what the bears are eating actually enhances. That's why a lot of the animals that we eat on our tables, they're fed a certain product so it'll enhance the taste of their beef. In Santa Paula, the bears eat all of the bottle rockets and stuff yeah. that people shoot off <laughs> all year long. Yeah. long. What, that's why. What, you, uh, what you eat is what you uh, produce. So that's one of the things that, that happens there. So he said it is better, he said, to get your bear up in the Santa Paula area hills as opposed to uh, the Fillmore Hills. So my grandpa was kind of a fisherman, hunter up in Washington. I may have told you this story before, but I, I used to work on airplanes, and I would I stayed with them for maybe about five or six months because I was on a temporary contract. And I came in one time, and the house just smelled like, oh, God, like just the gamiest, smell, you know, saltiest. And I walked in, and I was like, what's going on, Grandpa? And he goes, I got a stew brewing in there. He goes, I'm not going to tell you what. He was an, an oaky. I'm not going to tell you what's in it, but you're going to try it. Let me know what you think of it. And I was like, Grandpa, I don't think that you've met me before. I've never put anything in my mouth without knowing what it is, ever. <laughs> and that's the thing with, with people, and you think of over the years, especially when people are poor, eating squirrel, mm-hmm. eating a lot of things like that. It would just be, oh, brother, where art thou? Oh, when they're out yeah, at the campfire, yeah, yeah. were they eating squirrel? And he's just sure looked like and, it, yeah, and yeah. it looks like the thing that was great because they were. It's if you've never seen the movie one, you must. It's very funny, but he was eating it like it was just prime rib. Now, the look on his face was just like it was the greatest thing he had ever had as they're twirling it over the campfire. Can you guess what Grant was in Grandpa's stew? 
I'm gonna. It can't be rat. It was an. I'll give you. I'll give you a hint. It was an animal that I previously hadn't been aware of. An opossum. No, I knew about possums. Okay. Uh, chupacabra. You're very close. It, it would be the caribou. A caribou. Which I, I like. I'm still not really sure what a caribou is, but he's like, it's caribou, and I was like, all right, well, definitely not eating it because I've never heard of it. Okay, that's elkish, right? Probably. My, yeah, and the uh, John uh, Elton John had an album called Caribou from the Caribou Studios that oh. are in the beautiful state of uh, Colorado. So there you have it. See, we moved into rock and roll uh, just like that. So I think you got to teach the kids the skills that apply to your lifestyle and where they're going to be. Yeah, especially if they're going to eat the fish. If you're going to eat the fish, you got to know how do to get the work. there. Yeah. yeah, do the work just like that. Uh, what else do we have going on this morning after uh, we do the little fish cutting? I found out that this is the date, and this is what they call a dystopian novel. The book 1984 by George Orwell was released on this date, 1984. Did you have to read it in high school? No. 84 was very, very interesting because it's kind of what's happening now, but predicted back. He wrote this in 1949. Interesting reading because if you read through it, a lot of stuff that people are talking about these days, you go, wow, that's that's kind of interesting that he saw forward uh, that far. Uh, 1949 to 1984 when that year came around because i I graduated way back in 76 so we were looking like whoa you know what's it going to be like eight years from now that's what he predicted but 1984 the george orwell book the other big book from him would have been animal farm i wasn't even in high school yet by the time 84 was made and you wonder if you look at that was also um uh, van halen album 1984 uh, van halen Oh. That's the deal with Orwell. But that was like the reading, you know, for us, that was pretty much standard reading uh, with a few of the other um, Catcher in the Rye, maybe, and and books like that were required reading back in the day. But it was on this date, funny, back to. It would have been a history book for me because it was because it was a book about eighty four and I, I entered yeah. high school I believe about eighty eight eighty nine yeah. written in forty nine wow. about eighty four and you were in high school in the later eighties interesting nineteen sixty six the National Football League and the American Football League announced their merger mm-hmm. for nineteen seventy wow that was a big deal because that was one of the things just like the NBA and the ABA a really good merger happened there. Right. I'm not sure how many. I think the NHL might have sucked up a couple of AHL teams. They might have. But those were full-on mergers that really, really changed the way uh, the game was operated and for the good. Yeah, for sure, because AFL and the NFL were both kind of powerhouses, and they, they didn't want to, like, take each other out. And they're like, hey, let's let's kind of work together. I believe Al Davis was a big part of yeah. making sure that all happened. Mm-hmm. And that's back when he was um, – uh, he seemed rough but sane. Yeah. You know, Al, Al Davis uh, was really an important man in football. Well, that's one of the reasons why, as he got older and more kind of kooky with the, you know, he, he's, he's different because he was an innovator early on. And so he was listened to all the time. And when you have somebody who's listened to all the time, at some point, maybe yeah. they go off track a little bit, but they don't realize that not everybody's listening as much. And for you trivia buffs, Oakland Raiders. Also, the Oakland A's, when you look at Charlie Finley, isn't it weird that two of the people that caused a lot of the stuff that's very common these days mm-hmm. in baseball and in football were brought on by two guys that were owners of teams in Oakland? Mm-hmm. That is. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting. The A's, Charlie Finley with those wacky uniforms. And then uh, I, I just heard when Davis came down here, he was such a problem. 
He was really. Did you ever interact? Did you ever autograph around him? And I've well, I've been around the Raiders and and been around like where he's at. I've heard that he's very difficult to deal with. I've never had a one-on-one interaction with him or anything. The one thing I heard at the River Ridge restaurant that they had because that's where they trained. He had a table, the best table in the house, right up at the window. Mm-hmm. He never sat in it once. But it always had to be reserved for him just in case. Wow. So they'd be worried saying, boy, if we set somebody here at two, what if he comes in? You know, what if something happened? So that prime table was always left open when the team was in town. I have a feeling that that's a typical Al Davis move. I have a feeling that he probably, there was probably several restaurants that had an Al Davis seat sitting open. And he'll show up or send a person and say, hey, they took the table. You got to go. You got to talk about birthdays. I know you love this guy, Jerry Stiller. Oh, yeah. We so talked great. about it a little bit yesterday, and it is so true. Again, not being the biggest Seinfeld fan, but they said that he broke more people on set because he was so funny mm-hmm. and that they would crack up with him. And there is a classic that everybody has to look at, and it's Elaine and, and Jerry Stiller. Uh, so the thing was, she uh, George did something stupid, as always happened, and she said, because, like, your your son's an idiot. Well, they were in agreement until she said it, and then they get in a fight, and he says, you want a piece of meat? And she couldn't take the line. She just kept laughing, and then it, it they did, like, ten takes on it. Every time he did it different. Right. That's how good he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you look, and she just kept busting up, and she'd have to stop. And at one point, she's laughing, and the guy said, okay, three, two. And she goes, seriously? Because she couldn't yeah. stop laughing. <laughs> that's how good eyes. the guy was. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she needed makeup done. And that's how strong he was. I was at a Rush concert at the Hollywood Bowl. Jer- the Stillers weren't Canadian, were they? I don't think they were. Stiller mm, and Mirror, they were the classic so. husband and wife team. But Rush had him do, Rush was always creative in their concerts, and they had him doing little on-screen things in between the songs, and he would explain a song, and it was really funny. You're sitting there, Rush finishes the song, the screen comes up, and Jerry Stiller's up there. And you're just like, what? At a Rush concert? And he would just make these cracks, and it would go away, and that was uh, what Jerry Stiller did. Uh, One of your other favorites, of course, talking about Kings and Queens. Yeah, well, we went to Kings a, of Queens. I went, excuse me. I went to a taping of King of Queens during season two, and uh, and it was the episode where they 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 had the big fight over what where they were going to take a vacation. Doug wanted to take the the trailer and and go across the country in a big RV, and she wanted to fly to Paris. So uh, Jerry Stiller's character he had a big role in it because she ended up inviting him to kind of ruin it for Doug and all that stuff, but. I could tell you the scenes that, that Jerry Stiller was in, he came out and he did. Every every take seemed different and funnier than the one before. And you could tell that it was part of the job of the people on set to try to keep their act together while the man's talking because mm-hmm. he just did it and he had the way of just doing it. And he kind of like the Norm McDonald thing where he could say something and just look through you like as if he doesn't know that it was funny or it was off the wall, but it, just that delivery that's so mm-hmm. amazing. And, oh, I just love Jerry's And the boiled outrage that's not really there. You yeah. know, he, he could just, yeah. what? You know, he was one of those, <laughs> yeah. those comics. Really, really funny guy. Joan Rivers was born on this date. Oh. I, I liked her a lot. Didn't like her so much on The Apprentice. But she had one of the great lines on an interview once when one of the younger comedians, female, said, Joan, you don't know what it's like these days. Uh, there's a glass ceiling. And she goes, a glass ceiling? I had a 
cement mm. roof. Are yeah. you kidding me? I'm on a bench with Richard Pryor, Woody Allen, Robert Klein. She named every comic of the day. I'm the only, and she just flipped out. But she was right. Yeah. You know, back then it was maybe Phyllis Diller, maybe Moms Mabley, maybe. Uh, th- there was n- really no female comics back then at all. When we make that joke now, oh, women can be funny, we get the joke that, of course they can, because there's a lot of polar. Uh, oh, yeah. Now uh, it's, There's it's, so many. It's and Stan, well, out, your yeah. pal here. Funny yeah, Jen Jen Surgery. Yeah. So there's a bunch. But you got to remember, back then, not so much. So I always had respect for her because she had to go out there and do it. You know, yeah. That was it. And she had to get it done. And she was very, very successful. So uh, Joan Rivers, born on this day, and Jerry Stiller, two funny people. And speaking of two funny people, we're done. Wow, that went by quick. That's the way the summer's going, I guess. Thanks for listening to 1590 Afterwards on the Giggles Live Radio Network, everywhere podcasts are found.